Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, welcome to episode 39 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Sam with Bowser Consulting. And I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. On today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. It is uh, a pretty darn good book. And uh, we're going to tell you what we thought about it right after we hear from our good friend, Burgess Meredith. Books, books, all the books I'll need. All the books, all the books I'll ever want. All right. So today's book is the High Five Challenge. This one comes to you courtesy of Drew. It was Drew's choice. Mel Robbins is the author. She is uh, also the author of the international best-selling book, The Five Second Rule, which has nothing to do with how long you can drop food on the floor. This one was written in the heart of the pandemic in 2021. And um, Drew, what'd, uh, what'd you think about this one? So two things first for our listeners. I found this on a different podcast. And once I heard it and then saw that it was actually a whole thing on social media, I was like, okay, wait, I've got to get the book. Now that's part one. And part two is all you, Sam, because... I went into the book knowing about the social media thing and hearing her explanation on the podcast. And, and the high five habit is something that's relatively quick and easy to understand. And this book is like 200 pages long. So like 20 pages in, I was pretty well checked out. I, I was, I was barely even skimming the book because I got what it was about, but I didn't get what it was about. And Sam had gotten ahead of me and was like, Hey, read the book. And so I actually start paying attention and oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff in this beyond the core of it, which is the high five habit, the high five habits, like the gateway into all the rest of this. Yeah. I think for me, as I was reading through the book, I just kept thinking about all the posts we're seeing on the general managers pages and, and how many struggles folks are having just getting through their day to day and how much struggle they're having with the explosion of business and how much struggles they're having with, with just life itself. And the book just, Mel does a really good job of telling her own story, which is a story that I think a lot of folks can probably relate to uh, because it's not a silver spoon story. It's not a life has always been good story. In fact, um, I think Mel would consider herself pretty much a late bloomer when it comes to figuring out this high five habit and the things that are going to help her be successful. So, you know, right from the get go, we've done a lot of books, Drew, about the power of positive thought and the power of positive energy. And, you know, we, we refer back to the energy bus and we talk about the coffee bean and we talk about all of these great books that we've done. What I like best, right from, I mean, this was in the first 15 or 20 pages. Mel says positive energy is important. But what's more important to know is you cannot think your way to a new life. You've got to do the work. And I think what she's getting at is that the positive energy and the positive attitude is what's going to give you the fuel you need to do the work. And the work is what you need to change 
your situation in your life. On so many of these books that, that tell you why positive thinking is important and tell you what positive thinking looks like. And they generally stop at the how part. And that's the best part of this book is that she gets into so much of the what and then absolutely into the how. And, and I mean, oh my gosh, this is probably the first book we've read, Sam. There's a 40 page bibliography at the end dictating all of her research and all of her, her links and all of her studies that she references because she explains to you exactly like this isn't just some her crackpot thing. Here's literally decades of science on why this stuff works. I loved that a lot. Every story she told, she circles back to the science. And, you know, for those of you that have taken my T3 class and we talk about the importance of being a great stand-up speaker and it's, it's part art and it's part science, you know, I'm big into the art piece. I'm big into the touchy-feely stuff and not so big into the science. But in this book, she does a really great job of telling you where her theories are coming from. And I think, I think that's amazing. So let's touch on the first theory that she gets, gets into. And I know there was one that she gets into that you're really excited about. So I'm going to let you touch on that one. But the first one she gets into are the three core emotional needs that every single human being has. And I think why this is so important for our leaders out there is we've heard before that you can't lead people you don't know and that you've got to have a connection with people. And I think if you understand these three core emotional needs of each and every human being, it's going to help you become a better leader. And those three core emotional needs are people need to be seen, people need to be heard, and people need to be loved or appreciated. You know, obviously, the people that are close to you can be loved and people that are under your charge can be loved in a different way, be appreciated. So I thought those were really important. And as I was reading it, I just thought to myself, you know, I don't need science to back those three core needs up. I know that when I'm out and about or I'm teaching a workshop or I'm in a pizza store, I want to be seen, heard and felt appreciated. And that's where that's where my my fabulous memory comes in, because it's very similar to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, and it's it's that whole I need shelter, I need food and I need love. And that's what she's talking about here is is the same concept just from a personal standpoint instead of a physical safety standpoint i think she hit on those other ones too as she was going into this she talked about we all need food we need to breathe we need shelter i think what she's really trying to do in this book is get down into what makes us tick what what is what is going to get us get us up and out of bed in the morning. She tells stories about during the pandemic, how since she didn't have an office to go to, it was challenging to get out of bed. As I read the book, I just thought to myself, I think Mel and I would be fast friends because the way she writes just makes you feel like you're speaking to her, not like you're reading a book. At least that's what I got. Yeah, it's absolutely conversational. All right. So if we've talked about your piece, let's get into mine then. She, in the very beginning, uh, talks about a reticular activating system. That's right. We all have a RAS, R-A-S, and it's four things that matter to you. And your brain is, is taking in literally gigabytes of information every second. And these four things are what your brain has decided matter. And the first one is the sound of your name being called. And if you stop to think about just that for a second, anytime someone says Drew, 
which could be the past tense of draw, my ears perk up and I look around the room. So I get it. Anything that threatens your safety or the safety of loved ones, right back to Sam's, right? Um, signals that your partner is interested in having sex. That's right, because we are all interested in procreation at some point. And then the fourth one is the amazing one. And that is whatever your reticular activating system thinks is important to you. And that means whatever thought you repeat or topic you focus on will be important. And when I hit that, I'm like, oh my God. So, so Sam, I'm going to, I'm going to go off for a minute here. But when I ran the OER team, one of the things we would always have requests for is the OER coaches to leave the team and go and become multi-unit supervisors. And six, eight, nine months later, franchisees, corporate directors would come back and be like, oh my God, they're still in coach mode. All they're doing is going into their store and saying what's wrong and then leaving the store. Well, no kidding, because for two years or so, their RAS was going, what's important to you? Oh, pizzas being graded, people being an image, a store being clean. So that's what I'm going to focus on. So that's all they saw because that's what their brain realized was important and making that switch and turning it from the ops being important to the people being important is is horrifically difficult because the people are there and you think you're paying attention to the people because you're looking at their image and you're telling them to clean but you're not you're focused on the the form still and you don't even know it and that part for me was like the the giant light bulb moment in this book yeah, I thought the other thing that was really interesting about the RAS and my mind went here immediately as soon as she started talking about it was think about your first brand new car you bought and you got all the brochures and you watched the ads on TV and you thought, wow, nobody else has got this particular car. And then once you bought it, it's like <laughs> everywhere you look, you see it because you have now told your Raz what's important to you. And if a brand new silver Honda Odyssey is important to you, then you start seeing them everywhere. Same and that car shouldn't actually be important to anyone. Well, you know, it's, it's, but, a, top, uh, but, it's a top rated minivan, according to uh, my new favorite show, Ozark. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy the things you think about that you start seeing, you know, for me, if I look back in my memory over the last five years, I couldn't think of one or two times that I've seen an Airstream trailer. But over the last 18 months, I'm just fixated on these Airstream trailers and I'm seeing them everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, did they just start popping up? And according to Mel, they didn't just stop popping up. My RAS is now just letting that data through, whereas before, it does a great job of filtering out what's not important to me. Let's take this a different way. Let's say you're running a store and you're understaffed and it seems like it's busy and you're starting to get stressed out. Your RAS will pick up on the things that are stressing you out because it seems like it matters to you. It'll actually work against you. It'll create a, a, a downward spiral because the things that your brain picks out are the things that make you think that everything is against you. It's the, oh my God, I'm so tired. Oh my God, it's another call out. Oh my God, the phone's ringing again. Oh my God, it's another internet order. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it's different than it was before, but now that you're locked in on, on a negative thought cycle, your brain is going, oh, if this is what matters to you, because your brain doesn't know what's good or what's bad for it, 
It just knows what you're kind of thinking about. Boom, let's let all this in. And so every bad moment becomes magnified. And it's the things that you start to repetitively think about. You start thinking about that bad conversation you had with a customer two weeks ago in your head. And it just starts to replay. And now you see every bad interaction you have. The Raz is amazing. And she even gets into how to change it, not to give everything away in the book, but her, her pieces is, is to look for hearts. And Sam, did you try that? Did you look for hearts? Yeah, I did. They're, um, they're flipping everywhere. Oh my God. It's nuts because it's just like your Airstream. I haven't seen hearts in weeks and you like, fine, I'll look for hearts. And, and full disclosure, I'm like, when I first read this, I'm like, oh, this is kind of dumb, but okay, fine, whatever. I'll look for hearts. Yep. Yep. Hearts everywhere. And now I can't stop seeing hearts everywhere in clouds, in mountains. I drove to Charleston with my son and we saw them like in the, in the shadows of the tree formations, like everywhere, everywhere. So it, it completely works. Whatever you want your brain to see is what your brain will let through, which also means you can use it for good and you can turn it to looking for the positives and looking for the good. And, and you can change that negative emotion into a positive emotion by focusing on the things that lift your spirit as opposed to the things that deaden it. I love that we've finally gotten around to this book and seeing the science around it because you and I have both been standing on our soapboxes talking about the power of positive energy and how if you want to be a great change agent, you've got to go in it looking for opportunities identifying the challenges and finding ways to get over them. And I think what we've been spewing for the last 38 episodes is we want you to reprogram your as. If you pick up this book, The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins, and you read through all 200 pages, I think it's going to give you a firm understanding based in science, how important the power of positive thought and how important, you know, we talked in, uh, in Joy, Inc., Richard Sheridan talked about the importance of visioning and writing down what you're going to see in five years. And he got that from Ari from the Little Deli here in Anna Arbor Zingerman's, and they're big on visioning. And my goodness gracious, the more books we read, the more dots get connected. And the more I start to realize why all the books have different stories and yet similar skeletons the, the underlying framework is all the same it's just the writer's story to get there is different you know i can't help i don't know about you drew i know that you're not big a big reader and you know i'm not a big reader and i just can't help but think my goodness if i had a time machine and i could go back to 18 year old me i would say pick up a book because the stuff all makes sense all of these lessons that you and I have learned through trial and error and listening to people that, that we know and trust. And it's all written down in these books. If we'd have just read it and understood it, you know, how much, how much farther along in our careers would we have been and how much better influencers could we be? And I'm just, I, I guess what I'm really trying to say is <laughs> the thing I'm most grateful for about these 39 episodes we've done is is that it's made me read books and I feel like I'm becoming a, a much more well-rounded person. Sam, I, I'm going to share with the uh, audience. I know the other week you had mentioned how you were 
just reading a book. It wasn't a book that we had. It was, you were just listening to a book on, on Audible. And I, I think you'd made the comment that that's just not something you did two years ago. We are actively reprogramming our own brains to try and take in this information. And then the fun part of it is now that book club mentality of, of trying to assimilate the information and then kick something back out that's useful. Uh, if I can get to something way later in the book that she mentions. Yeah, please do. It's the power of objectivity where um, she says you're referring to yourself from a more objective perspective. And it's, it's, it's um, using your own name or seeing your own reflection and, and how I have a problem with negative thoughts. I, I constantly am replaying things in my head. I, I think of how I could do something better, how I could do something different. I, I have for decades that I am my own worst critic. There is nothing anyone could tell me that is ever going to be worse than what goes on in my own head. And to hear Mel say the exact same thing, one was like a weight being lifted off because I'm not alone in this. But then she gets into this power of objectivity and about talking to yourself in the mirror and using your own name and, and how it opens up your brain to hear it differently and, and the science behind it, which is why this high five. And we talked about this in the listener challenge episode with the mirror and the, and the, the, the last thing a team member should do before they clock in and really start their shift is high five themselves in the mirror. And, and that's what this high five habit is about is, is you look at yourself and you're giving yourself, you're, you're telling yourself you've done a good job and you're giving yourself that high five. And the power of objectivity is the same thought process. I tell you this because I guarantee half our listeners out there right now do the same thing that at the end of the night, at the end of their shift, they're not looking at what they did right. They're looking at what they did wrong. And if all you're doing is looking at what you did wrong, this is going to be a really long grind and it's not going to be fun. Operations is never perfect. So you're never going to be in a spot where you're going to be like, this was good because you'll always find the thing that's wrong because your Raz is looking for the things that are wrong through the day. And so you'll always find wrong. So, so talk to yourself legit in the mirror. Use your own name and find a way, find a way to, to unlock the positive pieces of your life as opposed to dwelling on the negative. And I think she goes on to say that it's not so much that you're, that you're congratulating who you are now. You're celebrating who you are now. You're happy who you are. You know that there's opportunities to improve, but you also know that there's things that are good. You know, I'm about to start a leadership workshop here today in Akron, and we're going to talk about how the brain is wired and you're, you're wired to see things that are wrong and fix them. And you've got to consciously rewire that to occasionally see things that are right because your team members need to know that they're seen, heard, loved, and appreciated. And now that there's science to back this stuff up, it's just amazing to me how everything we've talked about over these previous 38 episodes just kind of get all sewn up nice together uh, with this book and with the science that's backed behind it. And, you know, I can remember for the longest time, it didn't matter what the evaluation said or what 
And the people that were in the workshop said, I was just completely tearing myself down after every single class and saying, this has got to be better. And this has got to be better. And this has got to be better. And it was mentally and physically exhausting. I believe that's how you got to your 150 pound hard case suitcase that had everything you could ever need (laughs) in it to teach a class, if I remember correctly. Oh my gosh, Curtis Moore hated that. But Sam, I can't even lift this into my truck. How am I supposed to get it on an airplane? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It's because yeah. I wanted everything perfect. And yeah, I, I mean, the fact is nothing's ever going to be perfect. You absolutely want to be prepared and you want to know your stuff and you want to get in there. I think you've got to go to the mirror. You've got to high five yourself and say, did anybody learn anything? And if they did, then that's a success. And at the end of your shift, did the pizzas get made? Did they get delivered? Did everybody end the shift safely? And you've got to look for these things that you can hang your hat on and be proud of. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at opportunities for improvement and working on fixing them, but absolutely your RAS needs to also know that you care about things that went right. And that's, that's the difference, right? It's, it's fixating on, I can be a little bit better and I'm still really good as opposed to nothing's going right and everything sucks. And and you can have the exact same day and have those same two thoughts. And one of those will get you to a very dark place very quickly where nothing's ever good enough. And the other one is, it's not rainbows and sunshine but it's still really good. Right. And, and this is such a hard job. Like I, I, Sam, you and I've talked for, for literally years on, on how we want this to be easier for people. Right. But at the end of the day, you're on your feet for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. It's fast pace. There's stress to it because people get mad about their food madder than they should be about a $10 piece of food or $6 piece of food, depending on how you want to argue, but that's fine. Right. But people get madder than they should about this stuff. So there's all of this stuff going on. But once you identify that, that they're not mad at you, that they're, they're, they're frustrated about all the other things going on. It it changes the outlook. It changes the, the melatonin and serotonin in your brain and the dopamine can fire because you can feel some relief, relief and some joy in what you do. Because once you do what you're asked to do in this business, someone's going to be happy. And that should fundamentally make you happy. I think the other thing that's important to say, I mean, you and I have obviously decided that this is our career. This is what we do. My guess is some of our listeners, (laughs) my guess is some of our listeners are early on in their, in their path. And maybe they're still trying to decide if pizza is for them or not. And we keep saying that this is hard. It's, it's, it's going to be difficult. I think what's important to say, especially to people that are early on in their journey is anything you choose to do and you want to be successful at will be hard. It's not that pizza is hard. It's not that Domino's is hard. It's that anything you want to be successful in will be hard. If it wasn't hard, anyone could do it and anyone would be successful at it. So don't think for one minute that Domino's Pizza has cornered the market on hard jobs or being a general manager has cornered the market on being a hard job. It absolutely is challenging, but everything is. It doesn't matter whether it's food or retail 
or computer science, right? Uh, I, I knew plenty of guys in the building who were doing programming, who weren't exactly in the pizza side of the business and who, because a program was due, would do no days off for three weeks and do 14, 16 hour days, which sounds very much like what the operators might do as well. It's all at the end. It's all the same. If you want to be good, you've got to put the work in me personally. I just want it to be less about grit and resiliency in this role. And if we can show you ways that it can be about having fun and, and showing up each day with, with a purpose and, and an idea that's a positive, yes, the days will still be long. Yes, there will be some sweat involved, but it'll be fun and it can be so much fun. Yeah. We're on the same page there. I think the grit and resilience is important, but I think it shouldn't be what defines you. I think what defines you should be your ability to reprogram your and your team's RAS so that people see the good through the challenges that are going to happen and that people have fun at this. We're delivering pizza, gang. We are bringing people their meals. And if we do it well, it should be fun. And there's just, there's too little fun happening. We are selling more pizza, but we are not having more fun enough of the time as far as I'm concerned. Hey, listen, as we uh, are in final approach, there's a couple other things I want to hit. The one thing, there was a really nice quote in the book, do the best you can until you know better and then do better. And I think the only way that you can live that quote is your ability to take coaching and feedback and listen to folks that have similar or more experiences and when they give you ideas that will help make your job easier and help make your job more fun, that, that you take them up on it and you ask questions. And it doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that everybody says, but you should certainly go into those conversations with an open mind. I like it, Dave, when uh, we can have the, I have the same quote highlighted in my book from Maya Angelou, because yes, I mean, I'm better than yesterday. Do better is literally like part of what my entire shtick is, but that doesn't mean that you're not already good. Right. Right. And that's, that's always the key. God, there's just so much good stuff in this book. Let's, let's land this plane. Um, oh, I do want to, I do want to say one more thing as well. You know, you talked about your leadership class and, and finding the good. It's part of the reason why when I do my, my BTY improvement process and I talk about uh, the purpose of a visit, I don't have celebrate as a defined purpose. I always talk. It's just observe, improve, evaluate, but it's always celebrate as always after the evaluate, because I don't personally think we do it enough. And it's amazing that, that the people who think they're celebrating will be like, yes, I celebrate with my team a ton. And then when you go ask the team, they're like, dude, we haven't done anything in like 10 weeks right. in like six months. Yeah. It's been a year. So absolutely find a way. Oh my gosh, the pictures online of folks doing like, like, um, uh, gold Franny tours, uh, Rebecca Miller, you're awesome. Um, it's, it's amazing how, how folks are finding ways to celebrate that are free. So celebrate with your team, celebrate today because next Monday we're recording this a week before Memorial day and next Monday's Memorial day. And if you've never been through a pre pandemic Memorial day, you're going to get your doors blown off like it's a Saturday plus, And you're going to be like, why? 
why do I have lunch sales today? And then it's going to rain at four o'clock and you're going to be like, why are we this busy on a Monday? And your team's going to be beaten down because they're not going to expect it. So find a way to celebrate, find a way to find joy in every little thing because there's joy in every little thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Last thing from the book for me, she says, say thank you instead of I'm sorry. You know, a team member comes to you and says, oh my gosh, why did you schedule me on Wednesday? I told you I couldn't work it. If you respond with, thank you for reminding me, let me change that right now. It completely de-escalates the conversation. A customer calls and says, you sent me a pepperoni pizza instead of a sausage pizza. Thank you so much for letting me know exactly what you want. Let me get that taken care of right now. That thank you instead of I'm sorry, I just think is amazing. And I've heard it before and I've implemented it a couple of times, but certainly not enough. And I just loved that a lot. Yeah, I say I'm sorry a ton. And, and she's very cool in the book about why that is, because by saying I'm sorry, I'm taking it off of you and making it my thing. And I'm, I'm stealing it from you. And that's not what you want to do. It's not what the intention is. And yeah, saying, saying thank you instead completely keeps it yours. And again, it's that Raz, right? I'm, I'm trying to, to do better. I'm trying to be better. And so thank you. And yep, it's, it's amazing. Sam, let's get into where this book is going to go because, um, by the way, this isn't just a book for Domino's people, just the coolest part of this book. This one for me, if it were just a ghost shorter, it would totally be like the coffee bean where this is one of those books where you pass it around, but it's just long enough that you can't really pass it around. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give this to, to every person I come across that is having that negative moment. Yes. That needs that self pick me up. Yes. Um, I don't have a backpack big enough. So it might be one of those, give me your address and I'll ship one to you. <laughs> but yeah, this, this book is just amazing. Yeah, that's where I'm at as well. In fact, uh, I'm probably going to be proactive with giving this one out. And as I see people posting on the general manager's page, or if they're responding to anything we put out there, if it appears to me that a reprogramming of their RAS would serve them well, then I'm going to offer up the book to them if they make a commitment to read it. I'm not going to buy books for people that are going to put them on the shelf, but if they make a commitment to read it, then, uh, then I'm going to be handing this one out. I'm probably going to keep this in my backpack. And if I see somebody that absolutely needs a reprogramming of their RAS, I'm going to offer it up to them and, and maybe have some of the pages already marked just to pique their interest to get them into it. And then the other thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to make a full court press to get Mel on the podcast because I've heard her on other podcasts and as amazing as her book is, there's a reason why she is close to the number one influencer in the world. And I believe number she's one female public speaker in the planet. Yeah, yep. she's just she's just amazing and she's got Michigan roots. So we're going to we're going to see if we can can get her on the podcast. So Mel, if you're listening, um which of course you are, uh we'd love to have you on the podcast. We would love to talk about this or even the 5 second rule 
which again, isn't what you think it is. And that's probably going to be a book we hit in a couple books as well. Sam, let's, um, let's dock the boat. Oh my gosh. I did it again. We have not been cleared for landing. I just got an emergency communication from the tower and they have told me that this is the week that you should be ordering dry goods according to our spreadsheet that we had on our virtual training event. So uh, for those of you that haven't heard it yet, we did a little boostable training all around Boost Week, talking about food ordering, talking about how to get your team up to speed. That's available at Drew's website, which is... Trainwithbty.com. And go up into the shop on the upper right, and you can find it. It's the first thing in the shop. It's five bucks because, well, let's be honest, very few people value something that's free. So five bucks is as low as we could go where you get a little tiny bit of skin in the game that you're at least going to spend the two hours, well, hour and 50 minutes to listen to the webinar to get everything you need out of it, including the first tidbit, which we're giving to you here, which is this is your week to start ordering dry goods. Yeah. And there's a a great spreadsheet in that webinar that uh friend of the show eric arnston and team specifically fred cook from five star pizza company put together and this supply chain center has written off on the sheet and said it was just amazing so great job five star pizza team as usual and again five bucks helps us keep the lights on you're going to get some great training had some great feedback uh, from mike rompel and all the team in hawaii that they just loved that webinar as soon as you're done listening to this, go to trainwithbty.com and, and download that. Listen, whether you've been through 50 boost weeks or none, you're going to find something inside that hour and 50 minutes that's going to help you be more successful. Hey, I think that's it. Let's, uh, let's dock this paddle boat. We got the analogies right. That's amazing. All right. Yes, let's dock the boat. This has been episode 39 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. Since you're listening to us, Follow us, like us, subscribe, rate us with five stars, do everything you can because the more people we have that have liked us, followed us, and subscribed, the more likely we are to get bigger people on that are outside our sphere of influence because outside eyes are amazing. So, this has been episode 39. I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Bowser Consulting. As always, go out, sell more pizza, and have more fun. That's all, folks.